Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. And with me this week, discussing uh, one of the most famous, I think, episodes of the Twilight Zone, is Mr. Matt Ramo. Hello again, sir. Thank you for having me once again, sir. No problem, sir. Uh, how have things been since the last time we've talked? Uh, busy, actually. Um, yeah. I was, uh, I was busy with some work. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not at liberty to talk about it cause, uh, oh. con, you know, contracts and stuff, but, um, yeah. you know, I've been busy with that and then, you know, real life and then my own projects yeah. ring the bell is returned. So, um, heck yeah, we've been, you know, heck yeah. Season two just started, right? Yep. The, uh, the episode just came out a few days ago. Uh, the first episode of season two just came out a few days ago. Yeah. Excellent work, sir. Excellent work. Thank you. Uh, uh, always, always some good stuff there. I, you know, I'm not a wrestling fan, but every time I catch like just a little clip, clip of it, I'm like, these guys, these guys have solid writing. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know what the joke is, but I'm like, that's funny. I, <laughs> instinctively, I'm like, yeah, that's funny. I don't know why, but it's just. <laughs> I, I like that you don't laugh. You just say that's funny, and then keep it moving. <laughs> it's very <laughs> well, efficient. Like uh, in that in that Friends episode, the wait, is it Friends? There, there was an episode of, of a show where where somebody just says uh, somebody's girlfriend. They're like, hmm, "That's funny." I, oh no, it's Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> which which actually was kind of a big influence on uh, myself and Jr. We when yeah. we first kind of hooked up, we um we wanted to do. A series episodic kind of thing and and scrubs was definitely like the big main influence i mean we were really young so it never really panned out but it's it's interesting that everything's cyclical and it comes full circle yeah yeah that is weird that's weird um <clears throat> speaking of coming full circle I, I think there's a little bit of that in today's episode uh, uh, i think so uh and of course that is the monsters are due on maple street uh, which originally aired March 4th of 1960, directed by Ronald Winston as Jack uh, Weston, Burt Metcalf, and Claude Atkins, and was written by the great Rod Serling, which, which, which is cool. Uh, and, and there's a little bit of backstory with that. Um, well, just him just throwing the, the, the commentary in there, the social commentary. I don't actually know if there's a cool backstory, but... Uh, <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's it's definitely spoken about. Um, he was actually it wasn't he misquoted as well, if I'm not mistaken. In the little bit of research I did, uh, yeah, his co- social commentary was misquoted, and it made him look like some kind of xenophobe or something, which was very interesting. Right, right. Um, well, uh, let's 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 go ahead and get through a synopsis, and and really, uh, the synopsis will be pretty quick on this. I th- I think. You, you have, it's fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, you have Maple Street. It's like this g- generic '50s type of community. Everyone's all super friendly with each other, uh, and all of a sudden, some kind of meteor or or spaceship or something flies over the city uh, and makes a really cool like sound. I've I've been practicing it in the mirror every morning. Good job, good job. And, uh, so all, all of a sudden the, the, the power, everything stops working. And the, so the neighborhood, they, they start noticing that, Hey, the power, my power's not working. My car's not starting. Uh, so, uh, 
Steve and Charlie, they're about to leave the the street to see what the next block over, if they're experiencing anything. And of course, the the however old this kid is, I think he's supposed to be eight, but he looks like he's thirty four. <laughs> can I can I interject for a moment? Absolutely, yeah. Please do. Um, well, there's that handyman, right? Oh uh, yes, Tom yeah. Pete Van Horn. Oh, excuse me. Wow, I got way wrong. He leaves first to say, "I'm <laughs> going to check if they are if something if they're experiencing the same thing on Floral Street." And then Charlie yeah. and uh, oh, I already forgot. Yeah, uh, Charlie and Steve. Thank you. Charlie and Steve are the ones that are like, "Ah, oh, let's go downtown and we'll talk to the cops." And then the 35 year old teenage boy. <laughs> jumps in <laughs> so so i said 34 you said 35 and and i don't think either of us is wrong <laughs> <laughs> i think it's because i'm 35 uh, i just went with 35 oh okay okay and i and i think it's because i'm gonna be 34 Mazel tov. and this and this kid looks older than me and this <laughs> yeah uh, seriously <laughs> what were they feeding uh, those guys back then i know seriously uh wheel 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 juice or something um <laughs> So, so this thirty-four to thirty-five-year-old kid, he starts <laughs> saying like, "Oh, I read a, you know, I've read about this. I've read about, you know, it's it's aliens that are that do this, and they they turn off the power and all this type of stuff, right?" Uh, instantly, just jumping to the the conclusion that it's a hostile alien race that's doing this, uh, and of course, uh, they are thrown off by it. Uh, Steve is the logical one. He's like, "Okay, come on, seriously." Uh, and then they, they uh, let's see, Steve gets in the car, tries to start the car. Can't, the car doesn't start, obviously. Um, so they're, they're about to walk, and they see Les. They see Les, uh, Les Goodman. No relation to Saul Goodman. No. Uh, and, and Les is trying to start his car as well. He's like, hey, guys, it's not starting. And he gets out of his car, and as he gets out of his car, the car starts by itself. Keyless start. They patented it here on the Twilight Zone. Absolutely. Um. And so, of course, the logical conclusion is to to immediately accuse Les of being somebody he's not, uh, because the kid explains to them, right? I, I think he explains it to them at this point in time that uh, the aliens part of their plan is to move people into the town, uh, a mother, father, two children, to kind of infiltrate them to prepare for the landing of these aliens, right? So of course everyone listens to a kid, and they start just just threatening and, and accusing each other, um, and it, it it gets progressively worse as the episode goes on. Um, Pete Van Horn uh, starts walking back right at nighttime. It's nighttime, um, and of course, sticking with that logical conclusion, Charlie shoots him uh, because he doesn't know who it is. He just assumes it's a monster from from Mars, and then Charlie, who at this point in time was kind of like the ringleader, he's kind of the uh, uh, not Ralphie, uh, Lord, Lord of the Lord of the Flies reference. Um, ah, uh, but he's kind of like the one who's like accusing everybody, right? He's the the Charlie McCarthy, what oh. of <laughs> of the of the town, and then all of a sudden, after he shoots him, um, he just starts. He's like, "It's a kid! It's a kid!" And that's when all hell breaks loose. the The entire Community starts accusing, and, and you know, there's lots of panning on their feet as they're running across the <laughs> uh, street and stuff like that. And it, it pans out 
and it goes back, and then you see these two aliens. They're on a ridge, and they're watching all this mayhem unfurl on Maple Street. And they basically say, "This this is what it's like all the time." There's like a one of the alien is, I guess, an expert. The other is his apprentice, <laughs> and just explaining to him this happens on all the streets we do this on. Take a little bit of power, take away their phones, and they just they sink into to mayhem. And there are Maple Streets everywhere. And so that's the end of the episode. Uh, but I, I want to start, uh, just end this. Sorry, not start and end, but end <laughs> it with uh, Rod Serling's narration. Uh, because I, I think this is what drives like the rest of, of this episode for us. And that's the tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. For the record, prejudices can kill and suspicions can destroy, and the thoughtless, frightened search for a scapegoat has a fallout all of its own for the children and the children yet unborn. And the pity of it is that these things cannot be confined to the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, don't use, I don't usually quote the entire uh, ending monologue, right? But, <clears throat> God, man, it's, it feels so pertinent to today. It's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it's so spot on. It hurts. Yeah. So. Well, what are your what are, what are your thoughts of, of the episode, man? Um, I don't even know where to begin. The okay, nineteen forty one, the Hollywood Ten. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm just gonna jump ahead to about twenty minutes ago. Um, <laughs> this episode is. For everyone has their like perennial favorite, and I know when I was on the last two times, I had mentioned uh, that you know back in back when I was a kid, we would get the the uh, Twilight Zone marathons on uh, New Year's or you know whatever big holidays, Christmas, and we and these would run and run and run. And uh, this was one I saw often, but this stems back to my seventh grade grammar school. I had a teacher who you know at the time. We didn't think much of her, but like in hindsight, she was really like cool and hip. She was young. I'd say we were her first class. And so uh. in our textbooks, we had in our uh, English textbooks, we had the screenplay for The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. And she let us uh, read it. We all she picked us for characters and we all read it out loud. And and I can remember being in the seventh grade and just kind of really grasping this concept and really enjoying it. And then growing up later and seeing the, uh, the Twilight Zone episode and saying, oh, oh, man, this is this is that thing. And it came from this. And this is amazing because now there's, you know, images. It's not just your friends. Yeah. But, but even if you take a, a step back and you kind of put the two together where here you are in seventh grade with your friends at that awkward moment in your life where things are changing uh right you know and your friends are all acting it out and they're acting out this paranoia and stuff you know it 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 has some very funny parallels but um so my love for this episode goes way way back and so now i think every time i sit down and watch the twilight zone the first episode i go to out of order completely out of sequence is this episode because just as you said that that closing monologue the whole episode from start to finish the paranoia the chaos the suspicion the mob mentality the finger pointing the scapegoats everything it's it is 
it is like these are concepts and ideas that are never ever going to go away no matter yeah. how long the human race lasts on this planet it, you know and i'm sure in some ways you know cavemen <laughs> you know had some <laughs> kind of uh, you know, actions and, and reactions in this manner. It, it's just never going to go away. There's always going to be um, some form of what happens to this cluster of people. It will always happen across the world, all over the place, you know. Right. And so it's pertinent. It isn't even the word. You know, I joked and said, like, it hits the nail on the head so hard. It, it just, I, I, I can't it's say just, enough. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it just, it just is, right? And sure. I I mean I mean certainly this this theme isn't uh exclusive to this episode, right? I mean no. Uh, it's going back just in cinema history and I'm not even talking about real life, just in cinema like Nosferatu, that's it's it's that fear of the outsider, right? Absolutely. It's the fear of somebody coming in and infecting the population and and destroying and and basically rotting, right? Uh, I mean, Nosferatu originally is depicted as kind of like that rat, right? Uh, yeah. Which was always accused for the Black Plague, which, you know, whether that's true or not, it's mostly most likely the fleas, but that's not the point. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's that rot. It represents the outsider. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a, a movie like uh, The Wolfman, the original Wolfman, same thing. Yeah. A gy- gypsy outsider curses this poor man, and now he's, you know, he's a wolf, and he's little by little you know, destroying the village and, and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I want to throw this out there just because I saw it yesterday with my, my son. Um, there's critique for the Angry Birds movie. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I, I know. Uh, I know, I know. But wow. so the ang- Don't, in the do ang- not apologize for going to see Angry, son, Angry Birds with your son. No. The movie, I don't like. It's a crappy movie. Okay. Uh, it looks nice. <laughs> sure. But... The, the the issue with that I had with the movie, and it's a critique that I've read other places, it th- is that the Angry Birds, like these birds, are all on their own island, and then the pigs show up, right? And the only person who has any reason to mistrust these pigs is the the red bird, and turns out his fear of these pigs, these outsiders moving into the island, is founded. Like he has. He finds out that the pigs are trying to steal all the birds' eggs, right? So, you know, like that. It's a weird kind of bad moral to be teaching kids to be inherently mistrustful, uh, to inherently distrust outsiders, uh, which is which is what Angry Birds does, right? The pigs come, they're like, "Oh, these guys are nice." One guy's like, "No, no, they're gonna they're gonna kill our kids," <laughs> and they're. <laughs> And and he's right. That's what the pigs are there for. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's for me. It's not a great lesson to teach people. I I, I see. I absolutely see your point. Uh, I get it. I mean, yeah. But uh, you know, back to this episode. There, yeah. yeah. At, at least with this red bird, he has some. Uh, and I think you use the word founded. You know, information. They whether he sees him or whatever, he he knows for certain. In this episode, yeah. the monsters are due like. There's no solid information. There's no. There's no um, evidence. <laughs> All it is is uh, some lights going on and off. But that's kind of the point. All it takes is something so simple, something so different. You know, um, one of the um, 
one of the main. I, I didn't take too many. I, I watched the episode this morning just to refresh, and one of the main. Yeah. I only I only wrote a handful of things. One of the main things I wrote was after they accuse Les, and uh, he's like, you know, you guys are crazy. This is ridiculous. And they're like, well, why is it then that I saw you in the early morning looking up at the sky? And it's something so simple. He's like, the only thing I'm guilty of is being an insomniac. And so everyone's giving right. him like, you know, uh, stank eye or whatever for this the episode. So now it's nighttime, <laughs> and everyone's watching him like, I like he's a, you know, like low key after they catch him in the X Men, uh, or excuse me, <laughs> Avengers. Holy cow! Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that guy you got Marvel on the brain. Yeah, I got Marvel on the brain. Apparently, um, <laughs> the uh, right universe. Uh, that guy Charlie, his wife comes over and you know gives him the sweater and he's drinking a beer and he's. You know, she's like, you should leave him alone or whatever. And he says something to the effect of any guy that spends his time looking up at the sky early in the morning, there's something not right about that. And what I take away from that, and I see this a lot, and, you know, I guess I'm guilty of it, too, just because I'm human. But it's like anything that someone does that you don't do, you're automatically like, oh, that dude's weird. And, And that's where it starts. Yeah, I mean, obviously for this episode, it's not where it starts. It started long, long <laughs> earlier in the day, but you know, right. but, go ahead. And, and 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 those are all those are all thoughts that those folks have had at some point in time, sure, in their their presumed history, right? It's it's not something that they're just like, oh yeah, oh and this, like there there have been those suspicions, probably deep seated suspicions inside them from from the get go, right? And and that Charlie guy even says uh, right after that line is, uh, he says to his wife, under normal circumstances, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be a, an issue, but these aren't normal circumstances. Uh, and all it is is like maybe maybe a, just a, a generator busted, you know? Sure. He doesn't know. Why did they jump to that conclusion already? Right. Um, and and to kind of dovetail what you said, like, yeah, you know, let's let's assume this street has had the same inhabitants for five years. That's, you know, it's plenty of time for, you know, at the, at the top of the episode, Rod Serling says, you know, a typical street, barbecues, the whole nine. So, you know, they go to each other's houses, dinner parties, because it's 60s, still coming out of the 50s. Yeah. I'm sure it's what they still did or whatever. And, and you know, the, you see the kids are playing in the front, and everybody knows each other. So it's plenty of time yeah. to, like, do what couples do, and they smile in each other's faces and then go home and say, can you believe so-and-so? And, oh, my God, I can't believe that she blah, blah. And that's what they do. And so now this moment comes along where they almost get this ability to kind of air each other's dirty laundry. Like the one guy right. uh, sells out, um, was it Steve's wife? Steve, yes. Yeah, Steve. yeah, he sells <laughs> yeah. out his wife. He's like, you see, your wife's got some loose lips, buddy. And, like, she's talking about how, like, oh, he's spending his time building a radio. And they're like, you know, and of course, because of these aren't normal circumstances. Well, who are you talking to on that radio, huh? Because the stupid kid opened his dumb adult-looking mouth and said, <laughs> "I read a comic book that aliens came to the planet," and like instantaneously. And even Steve jokes about it too. He's like, "Are we really entertaining this idea? Because this is ridiculous." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, like every little thing is an opportunity for someone to point a finger because. Nobody ever wants to be the outsider. And this is something that stem it's it's in it's it's something that's inside of all of us. It's ingrained in us. 
you know, when we're kids, you know, I, I know I, in grammar school, I was in a Catholic school and, and mm-hmm. I had some friends and, uh, you know, one kid in particular, um, you know, made it a point to make fun of another kid. And that second kid was like my best friend uh, in grammar school. And, you know, other kids joined in, and of course, I'm young and I don't know any better, so then I kind of turned on my friend, you know? But, you know, you're young and kids are dumb and, and they're mean yeah. and stuff like that. And it just happens because you don't want to be the outsider. No, You know, you're young, you don't know how to handle these concepts of uh, belonging and not belonging. You don't know how to handle, like, being independent. Just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going right. to do my own thing. But in this scenario... Well, you know, I- it's uh, it's very. Different. I mean that, that that's that that's how the mob mentality starts, right? Absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somebody's somebody's loud. They get somebody else to be loud with them, and mm-hmm. then the then people start falling in line, and then you're in that crowd, and you don't want to not be a part of that crowd, because now there's a huge mob of people that you. I mean, you can't stand up against. No. So you basically kind of join the 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 train, so to speak. Right. Um. I mean, yeah, you think of uh, the political climate in the 30s. You think of, the, uh, obviously, you think of the, I'll bring up the blacklist, uh, the Hollywood 10 again, mm-hmm. um, Arthur Miller and crew. Yep. Uh, what do you, so I'll, I'll ask I'll ask this question of you. Uh, okay, this movie, or sorry, this episode came out in 60. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, The whole kind of like, fear of being outed as a, as a communist back in, back in like the forties and fifties was, uh, that, that risk was, was there for a good while. Do you think that, and and this is just, um, just a general question. You think that Rod was like, if there's any hesitance to, to write this episode with that kind of fear, like, I I don't know, uh, trying to elaborate, but any any thoughts on that? Uh, so what you're asking is, do you think, do I excuse me? Do I think that maybe Rod felt like putting this episode out may have someone in the industry look at him and say, "Well, he's a such and such," and then blacklist him? Perhaps is that what you're? Yeah, asking? I, I mean, do, do you think, think that that risk existed for him? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any information on that. I, I'll just speak yeah. from my point of view. I, okay. So, so it's 1960. We'll give it a 1959 just for production. And right. so, you know, America's entering the Cold War now with Russia. Um, there's, you know, there's still, I, 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 there's still some kind of McCarthyism underlying. It's, it's not, you know, that tide hasn't completely gone out to sea. So why not? Yeah. I, I, why wouldn't there be? You know, there's, you hear all these stories about Hollywood being very inclusive which is just a, a whole it's, it's just a parallel to this episode then why you know why not sure I, I would yeah. I would firmly believe that, that but but Rod himself just just by looking at his body of work and kind of you know reading little bits and pieces about him here and there I don't think he gave a flying one you know yeah he was I think he was more about the message like I've got something I want to say you know because because he definitely did there are some episodes that are heavy handed like this one yeah. for example and then there's a few other episodes where there's these uh undertones far more yeah, yeah far more subtle you know messages and and maybe even personal views but 
you know, I, I'm sure that someone somewhere was like, hey, this guy's a communist. <laughs> and everyone's like, shut up. We're over that now. It's it's no more. Shut no more. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're done with that guys. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's, there's a, there's a quote of his that says he's not a meek conformist. He's a weak nonconformist or or a tired nonconformist. Right. I can completely like, uh, I can completely get behind that statement. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Uh, overall, what's your rating on the episode? Oh man. I, uh, I'm a little behind in listening to the episodes. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't think I'm the first. I'm going to venture to say I'm the first. This is absolutely hands down a 10 out of 10 because this is by far and wide my number one hand with, without question, hands down, my number one episode. Hands down. Absolutely. Dashboard confessional. This is your, this is your episode. Stack of Bibles, (laughs) whatever Quran, you got it. I'm I'm on it. (laughs) Yeah. When, when you, when you go to testify, you're like, just put this episode on DVD. I'll I'll put my hand on it. Absolutely. I, uh, I if swear by. You got a copy of the screenplay. My right hand goes on, and my left hand goes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, for for pure content and really the the timelessness of the message that it's that it sends out. Like I would I would agree with you on the ten. I, I think from that that kid. <laughs> or that young adult being a, being a little little bit annoying, sure. maybe a little the episode being a little heavy handed, as you said. You know, I would I would dock it a dock it a few points to to make it nine and a half. But um, I mean, just you know, this this episode is true. Like, if this was if this episode was never a thing until today, people would be like, yeah, okay, there you go, that's true. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So uh for from that aspect I I'd, I'd I'd agree with the the 10. Uh there's one uh, there's one note I want I I had written I, I wanted to touch upon at the Absolutely. the actual Twilight Zone episode opening show intro not prior to getting to the opening shot of the Maple Street uh sign. There's a there's yeah. a passage in um you know excuse me the famous opening where where Rod says uh, lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. That mm-hmm. statement is the it, it it is the absolute like wrap up of this episode because yeah. everything that happens in this episode is because people don't understand it, so therefore people fear it, and yep. it lies between the fear and the knowledge, and this episode all stems from that. And it's it's unintentional because that opening statement is fairly broad for the episode, but that one yeah. couldn't have been more true for this episode. Um, I would I would elaborate on that, but you know what? That's that's the perfect way to <laughs> to to end. That really is an excellent point, and I can't I can't even talk to it. I can't make that better. <laughs> There's nothing I can add that would make what you said any better. So, so bravo. Well, thanks for I'll listening let... to the show. Uh, you could follow us at <laughs> S4YA podcast. <laughs> uh, you're doing so, oh, you're doing so I, good. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know. I listen, but I don't, they, they only stick in my head in cadence. I don't know the words. It, yeah, it's, it's all good, man. Uh, is, uh, final, final thoughts. Uh, is there anything else we can, that you can talk about that we can look forward to? Um, you know, ironically, in doing the research for this episode, um, 
I uh, I didn't know that this was kind of redone and kind of made modern uh, back in, yeah. I think, 2008. And, the you know, they swapped the aliens for the U.S. government. U.S. government. Right. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, I didn't know about that. Prior to this, I have a good friend of mine who I work with in, in film. He's worked on a couple of geek aid things with us. Um, he was the cinematographer through some friends, some contacts I had made while in school. He became the cinematographer for a group of guys who shot a, a short called A Package Comes to Brooklyn. And it basically was a modern take on the monsters do on Maple Street, except the background, well, in similar fashion to the um, uh, other modern take, which I just found out about, terrorism was the kind of key here. And this box, no postage, no nothing, shows up on this tiny block in, you know, Brooklyn. And the yeah. same kind of stuff ensues, the finger pointing, the anti, the, the xenophobia, the, you know, the, I think uh, being of Muslim faith, Play, uh, or being Muslim of Islamic faith plays a lot into it too. So um, I, I, I was actually kind of upset when he got the job. I was like, oh man, that's right. my favorite episode. I wish I thought to, to update it, but you know, everything happens yeah. for a reason. I, I still haven't seen it, ironically, <laughs> but it's out there somewhere. It's called The Box <laughs> Comes to Brooklyn. It's from Park Slope's film, Park Slope Films. Uh, if anybody check, thinks to check it out, uh, you know, let me know if it's any good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the box comes to Brooklyn. Yeah. A box. Oh, a it. box. Come, yeah. A box. Not yeah. the box, then, but no, no. a generic box. A very generic brown box comes to Brooklyn. That's not the name of it, but that's what happens. <laughs> that's the plot uh, synopsis. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was the working title. A yeah. very generic brown, yeah. <laughs> unmarked uh, box. But you, but you can't sell it. <laughs> and even that. have the us in it. Uh, that's right. That's right. Nobody wants. Nobody no, wants that. No. Um, uh, and and of right. course, ring the bell is back. And uh, you know, yes. check us all out on Geekade. Geekade.com. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks again, Matt. Dude, you're you're swell. Oh, is thanks, the word buddy. I use for you. Swellsome. That's awesome and swell. <laughs> I'm sure they make pills. For that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, for the rest of you guys out there. Uh, there are a few ways you can get hold of me. I am on Twitter at S4YA underscore podcast, gmail.com, S4YA podcast, gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can always hit me up at geekade.com. Uh, search for submit for your approval. And iTunes Stitcher. Uh, rate me on iTunes if you dare uh, <laughs> or just at all. That's great. Uh, and uh, But just, just hit me up. Like I said, I love talking to people, uh, interacting with folks. Um, and just let me know, let, let us know what you think of, of this episode and, and any previous episodes. Uh, and until next time, again, thank you, Matt. Thank you. And we will talk to you later. 